This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And before we dive into a not great Packers game for the second consecutive week. Perry, longtime listeners of the show will recognize your dad and know that he has never been to Lambeau Field. So let's let's start the show with a little bit of optimism before we get negative and have you describe to our listeners what it was like to take your dad to Lambeau Field for the very first time. Oh, I like this. Um, <laughs> so it was my dad and my sister's first time, which was really special. Obviously, everyone listening knows I've been up a handful of times, but um, I think to be able to share that with them, um, how much I love being up there and their longtime Packers fans like like I am was um, it was kind of indescribable, to be honest. My dad's the reason Carly and I are both Packers fans. And he was telling everyone that he met, you know, I've been a Packers fan since 1966. And um, his he's a pretty even keel guy. So if you guys listen to the show that we do every father's day you've you can recognize his voice and it takes a lot to get him any kind of emotional and he was pretty giddy all weekend like a little kid and it was just really great to see um i got a video of him and my sister seeing the stadium for the first time when you walk through to get to your seats and their faces just they look back at me with just this like awe because that's what lambeau field does does to fans it still does it to me and i've been there now for four times. So just an all around great weekend. They got to see what tailgating is like for a noon game at Lambeau, which they were in awe of. My sister's like, it looks like college, um, <laughs> which it does. And um, just thankful for everyone who was up this weekend that we got to see and meet and all of the locals who are just the nicest people um, because it was great to have my dad kind of relive some of his childhood memories in the hall of fame and to finally get to see a game together uh, not the best game to see together, <laughs> but I think it says a lot that we still had the best weekend, even though the Packers were pretty abysmal. Yeah. And I mean, it kind of, it sounds similar to what the London fans said last week, where like all in all, the experience was phenomenal and just getting to see your team in person live is really special. And I know you've seen them play at MetLife, but to be able to bring your dad to Lambeau and your sister, of course, is something that I'm sure all of you will remember, even if the game is uh, one that is forgettable. So let's let's jump into that, right? We don't have to spend too much time, I guess, harping on the game in general, but pretty pretty disappointing performance for a Packers team that in the regular season had yet to lose back-to-back games under LeFleur. Talked about all the ways we thought they could win last week. Kind of laid out a game plan, what we thought you know would make sense, and 
none of it came to fruition for the Packers on Sunday. Just not not a good showing. They slide to three and three. They're in eighth place right now in the conference if you're looking that far ahead at playoffs. So they're definitely outside looking in at this point. But there is a lot of football and a lot of season left at this point. So we talked about our concern level after the Giants game, and we both said we were at like a four out of ten. What is your concern level now echoing Jair's comments about if we lose to the Jets, then I'll be concerned. <sighs> Forgot he said that. <laughs> um, I'm at like a six, maybe. I'm not really hitting the panic button yet because I just think there's so much season left. You know, if we were sitting at like seven and seven and it, and it was the end of the season, then yeah, I, I think I'd feel differently. But it's still early and there's still a lot of season left, but I don't feel great. And I think I don't, I, I really don't feel great about this team right now. Um, I certainly don't believe that they are Super Bowl contenders. I think that much is pretty clear. Um, the defense had a better showing, I guess, you know, the, the score I don't think necessarily reflects the way the defense played, um, especially in the first half. And I don't necessarily know what to make of this offense before this game. I was like, I think the offense is going to figure it out. I still think the offense is going to figure it out, but I don't think that they're going to be any kind of juggernaut that's going to make a deep push here. I think the reason my concern level jumped to a six though, because record standing three and three. Okay. You don't want to lose to these teams, especially with the hardest stretch of your season kind of coming up with, with road games. My concern is the way that they lose. And this has been a repeated, like just we cannot keep saying the same thing, but we will because we have this podcast and we have to say something. (laughs) And it's just the way they lose. It's the lack of heart. It's the lack of fire. And being there in person, it was so, you could feel it. You know, like I think Lambeau tried really hard to get loud when they needed to. We were quiet on offense. Like, I feel like the crowd very much reflected the way the players were feeling, though. And in the fourth quarter, like, you just couldn't get anyone to get up and cheer for this team. Like, there was just – and as much as the defense played their hearts out and gave the offense plenty of opportunities to do something, I I just – the energy was so not there. It was just so not there. And I don't – know what to make of just the emotional side of this locker room. And I think until I see some fight and some dog mentality come back, that's why I'm concerned. I took a little bit of heat on Twitter for this, for saying that same thing that I, it just feels like a team that's lacking any type of identity. They're lacking leadership. They're lacking heart and adversity. And I understand that we are all outsiders at this point. Like none of us are in the locker room with them. We don't know the conversations that they're having. We don't know, you know, Mm -hmm. if there's rallying of the troops at halftime and things like that. So I understand that. And, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a harsh criticism for us to say things like that because we're not the flies on the wall and we don't, we're not privy to a lot of these conversations, but when the general consensus from the media and from, you know, the the pundits and even just from fans like you're talking about in the stands, that there's a feeling that something is missing, it's hard to feel like that that doesn't, you know, hold true to the players as well. Because if the players were juiced and if the players had energy and they were hyping up the sidelines and if they felt invested, I think we would have more buy-in. But every time, you know, there was a, a cutaway, you know, the team's looking dejected, they're looking frustrated and it sucks. Like nobody likes to lose. If you like to lose, you don't play in the NFL. Like that's not, that's not a career path that you choose. So I understand that, you know, sometimes outside factors dictate your mood, but it just, Robert Sala kind of said it in his, his post-game presser. Like this is a team that if you punch them in the mouth, they fold. And it's been the same criticism for three seasons now going into obviously this half of a fourth season under LaFleur and I don't want to put all the blame on him because I don't think it falls solely on him, but it's something that they need to figure out because this is the NFL and teams are going to punch you in the mouth every week and you have to be able to respond to it. Yeah. Hearing it from an opposing head coach really, I think hit harder than I was expecting because I also listened to that soundbite and granted there's a lot of relation there, right? Sala knows LaFleur 
really well. Obviously, his brother is in the Jets organization. But regardless, if opposing teams can see what happens to you when they do that, now granted, they have to be able to do that to you. But if they can see that, they're going to keep going. This is not going to get better. You are playing the Commanders next week, a team you 100% should beat. I thought that about the Giants. I thought about the Jets. But, like, this is a must-win game. I don't think anybody sitting out there disagrees with me, so I'm going to say that. And then you get the Bills after their bye coming off a huge win in Kansas City, like you are going to keep getting punched down the stretch. You have to be able to come back and punt, swing back. Where are the boxing gloves for these players? Like they just feels like a rag doll in the ring. Like that's, that's the analogy I'm going with. So there are so many things wrong with this team right now, right? Like, and it's a trickle down effect, I think. The offensive line, oh, my God. I mean, porous, just absolutely abysmal. And you can't run the ball. You can't throw the ball. Rodgers got pounded on Sunday afternoon, just absolutely annihilated. And to be quite honest, look, I tweeted out that I think Aaron Rodgers is a problem with this offense. It has totally blown up, and I feel the need to address it. (laughs) Because I don't like talking poorly about a four-time MVP quarterback, right? We are all aware how talented Aaron Rodgers is. He is one of the best, if not the best, to ever throw a pigskin. You put that aside and you look at six weeks of the 2022 season, which is what I am speaking about, he is not playing well. He's just not. You look at the stats, you look at his accuracy, he's not playing well. I'm sure he would admit to you that he is not playing up to his standard of football. Now, are there a lot of reasons why? Of course there are. It's not just him, but he is off. And seeing it live, it felt even more apparent that he was he just looked off. And so credit to the Jets' D-line, credit to Sauce Gardner, who looks so legit. <laughs> but... You're Aaron freaking Rodgers. Like you should, he's just, he just wasn't seeing the field. Like there were so many, sure. It's hard to get the ball off when the offensive line can't block. But when he did have his opportunities, he was holding it. He was missing wide open guys. He can't throw in the flat this season. Just simply <laughs> not. Just, yeah. just, just stop. Like, just take that play out of the playbook. That play away. And yes, you get that gorgeous 35-yarder to Lazard, reminding us all what you're capable of, which to me only makes it harder to watch him struggle to pass the ball because you know it's still there. And I just don't understand why it's not always there. I guess positively Bobby Tunyon's back. It's great to see some tight ends get involved. Josiah DeGuara, you, we got our first Amari Rogers sighting. Like there are some things, but there's nothing holistic in this offense right now anymore that I'm like, that's what you're doing well because they couldn't even run the ball on Sunday. It was cool to see Bobby Tunyon. You can write this in your your game notes that he set a uh, a franchise record for most receptions by a tight end. Ten is a history for a Packers tight end, which is really cool. Four tight ends had nine. So he sets his own little piece of a Packers history with 10 receptions on Sunday. But yeah, I mean, it's, it was kind of interesting to me too, after the game to listen to Aaron Rodgers talk about how he wanted to simplify the offense. And then hearing Matt LaFleur, not in his post-game presser, but his Monday presser, talk about how he doesn't know what that means. And you'd have to ask Rodgers for more details and how like the coaching staff has, you know, this scheme established and it's about the players to execute. So I don't know if this is like the first time that we're going to see a little bit of contention as far as what the offense, you know, Matt LaFleur wants to run versus the offense that Aaron Rodgers wants to run. But regardless of who wants to run what, you've got to get on the same page. And I I think that's maybe part of the problem. And I, I understand Rodgers' point to an extent is saying like, we've got some young guys who we need to simplify this for, But at the same time, if you're not playing into the confines of the scheme, it doesn't matter, right? Like we've seen article after article about how there are two offenses and it's the Packers offense and the Aaron Rodgers offense. 
So I think he's part of the complication at times when he's preaching to simplify. I also had no idea what he meant, to be honest, because I don't think the problem is scheme. I think a huge part of the problem is execution, right? If your offensive line is going out there and they can't block anybody, it doesn't matter what scheme you call. Right. It's all going to break down. It doesn't matter if, you know, guys are getting open, Matt LaFleur scheming his receivers open if Aaron Rodgers misses them or simply doesn't throw to them or doesn't have the time to get the ball to them for whatever reason. You know, scheme isn't going to fix when Rodgers checks out of an RPO and decides to throw. You know, there, there are so many things there. And again, we're not in the building and we could say this ad nauseum, right? This is just our observations, but it very much feels like there is some disconnect. I was talking to Andy Herman, friend of the show, about this because I was wondering all day yesterday, whole drive home, whole flight back, was the Devontae Adams-Rogers connection just a really big bandage for these issues that always existed? Or are these new issues that just happened to crop up this season because of all the personnel changes. Obviously I don't know the answer because we saw the Devante Rogers connection. Um, but I do, I, I think I've landed on that just feels like new issues. I, I don't know if Devante being here this season would have really changed anything because it doesn't fix Rogers apparent level of inaccuracy. It doesn't fix the offensive line right? It doesn't, we haven't even gotten to the defense yet. So it just feels like this season was maybe a little bit more of a reset. I don't want to call it rebuild, but like, you know what I mean? A resetting than I, as a fan expected, right? Like I expected them to come back and just look like the Green Bay Packers, right? Look like they did the last couple of seasons, look like they do when Matt LaFleur is calling beautiful plays and, and drives and maybe my expectations were just too high for a team that's kind of brand new. See, and I go back and forth with that because I made a comment about how talent on paper can't win you football games. And a lot of the comments that I got on Twitter were, where is their talent on paper? And I would argue that especially the defensive side of the ball there's talent at every single level and it is deep talent. It's not just like, well, they have Jair, they have Jair. They have a player. They invested a first round pick in. They have, you know, Rasul Douglas who had a pro bowl season. Like you can keep, you can keep stacking where there is talent and depth. And before we dive into the defense, which we will, you know, I think a lot of the problems stem from the execution of the offense. And a lot of those things you already talked about, right? Like if Aaron Rodgers can't get the ball out and he's got 0.3 milliseconds to throw the ball before Quinn and Williams is in his lap, then the, of course the offense isn't going to function effectively. But I think that a lot of the problems are just compounding on one another. Yeah. So something starts to go wrong. And we talked about it after the Giants game, the whole just be good right now. Don't be perfect. And I think the problem on Sunday was that the the offense got so overwhelmed that they couldn't even try to be good. If things just spiraled so quickly and the defense kept a minute the entire first half, defense looked really well. They gave up 14 points, yeah. you know, like for part of that special teams issues, like, you know, this, the defense did what they could when your defense gives up 14, 17 points, you expect to win those football games. And it just, it didn't happen because this offense was not able to sustain drives and get down the field and had another turnover. Just they're not playing like basic fundamental football. They can't, they couldn't even get past midfield. I mean, they would get to midfield and I'd be like, Oh dear, are, are we <laughs> going to get, get there at some point? And oh, I have so many things to say about this team. It like overwhelms me a little bit because, and there's just some decisions, right? Like, it's third and three or four and two, and you've got a five-step drop back going spread offense. Like, yeah. what? why? Just simply why are you doing that? It's just some of those decisions. And some of the deep balls I didn't hate this game, mm -hmm. but, like, Rodgers chose to target Sauce. Okay, he likes to pick on a rookie. Guess what? Sauce don't play like a rookie. That guy <laughs> is so elite. Go pick on DJ Reed. Right. Like there were just so many. I'm like, 
we are not scheming away from what the Jets are doing well at all. Um, the other thing for me is, you know, I was really excited when Adam Stanovich got promoted to OC. I thought he deserved it. I thought it made sense. But all of a sudden, the Packers' strength, like their strength has been, they have always had a really great offensive line. And even when guys are hurt, they find a way to plug those holes and get the best five out there. And it hasn't been the best five. And they haven't made any adjustments to that five, right? And I tweeted this out today. And I truly believe the Packers have so much depth at offensive line. Not just depth, but good depth. We saw flashes of their depth in the preseason. And I feel really good about it. And I I just feel like this team is the Albert Einstein definition of an insanity, which is keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And it's like, let's change something up here because Elton Jenkins is being wasted at right tackle. He's not where he thrives. You have guys like Zach Tom who, why not put him in there? I mean, Royce Newman's not getting the job done. And I think he's proved it after six weeks in the season. Like, Reach into your depth. Do something. Change something. We said this after last week. We said this, like, we've been saying this all week, right? Or all season. Make adjustments because you're just repeating the same exact mistakes every single week and nothing is changing and you're losing football games and you're wasting, like you said, pretty great defensive performances for the most part, or at least defensive performances that allow you the opportunity to win games. Yeah. But they're not making those. Well, and it's unrealistic to think that your defense is going to have this the performance they had in the first half for an entire game. It's unsustainable, and it's unfair to put that kind of pressure on the defense to say, hey, if you can hold opposing offenses to, like, six points, we got this. Like, yeah. At some point, the dam is going to break. And, you know, we saw it happen in London. We saw it happen with the Patriots. And if the Packers' offense can't get anything done – that says a lot more about the Packers offense than the state of the defense, because at some point they're going to give up the type of run that they did, you know, to Brees Hall or to, to uh, Braxton Berrios. And the thing was like, those are a couple outliers. They had the one, you know, long completion to Corey Davis, but Zach Wilson threw for 110 yards. Like Seriously. they held up when they needed to hold up. And then the floodgates opened because you're talking about a defense that, you know, I thought they played really well. They had Jair shadow Garrett Wilson. That was really cool. That was something that I wasn't expecting to see, but that was that was an adjustment. So the fact that we're not seeing adjustments on the offensive side of the ball after all the stuff we heard from LaFleur about him talking to Joe Barry and giving suggestions about how to be more aggressive, he literally told Tom Silverstein today in his presser that this was the worst offensive line performance of his entire tenure with the Packers that he's seen. So in LaFleur's three and a half seasons, this was the worst offensive line play that he's seen. And he talked about, you know, maybe Stenovich talks to them or, you know, is more involved in that room because we saw Hackett do that quite a bit with different positions last season. And however you fix it, I did think that the interesting thing, um, they asked him about shotgun play Mm -hmm. and why he played so much or called so many plays from the shotgun. And he had a really interesting answer and response to it and said the game plan basically dictated when they watched on film the middle of the defense was open when opposing quarterbacks were in shotgun and it was about keeping one extra hat away from the middle so you could attack the middle of the defense but then he also followed that up by saying the jets are really good at disguising their schemes they were able to make adjustments for our offense and our offense wasn't able to respond so kind of get into the brain a little bit of Matt LaFleur and it really like you can see what he's trying to do but the fact that there's not a response where it's like a chess piece going back and forth or chess moves Mm. if somebody's always capturing your queen like you need to find a different strategy that you're just bad at chess and I'm I'm not saying Matt LaFleur is like a bad schemer or offensive mind but how do you not have responses to that especially for a defense that you know so well because it's your best friend coaching it and it's a defense that the Packers have played against. Yeah. Robert Sella is a common opponent here. Look, I very much appreciate Matt LaFleur's accountability. And he actually gets up there and gives real answers, right? He's very candid. This is not coach speak. Like he is providing insight. But at the same time, it's really frustrating to hear some of the same answers over and over again, right? You're hearing him say the same thing about Aaron Jones. I'm like, 
Aaron Jones had nine carries. Nine carries. I'm sorry. But, like, that is so unacceptable. Once again, A.J. Dillon had 10 carries for 41 yards. Unfortunately, A.J. had a really bad fumble, and it cost them points. But that's the other thing, right? Like, the Packers couldn't capitalize on what the defense was giving them. They couldn't capitalize on good field position. They couldn't capitalize on a blocked punt. You know, they. I just feel like the other phases did their best. And obviously special teams also allowed, you know, a blocked punt. And unfortunately, the Jets were able to capitalize on it, right? Like that was kind of the story of this game because you look at the stats and the Jets could barely did anything on offense. And they didn't need to do anything more on offense because it was such a low-scoring game. They just basically needed a touchdown. You know, it was 17-3. to And I looked at my dad and my sister and I looked at each other and we we're like, this feels insurmountable mm-hmm. at this point for this Packers offense. And that having Aaron Rodgers under center and feeling that way is such a foreign concept because you've watched him do magic, but you just don't feel like there's much magic in this offense right now. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I was talking to my dad about it, too, because we watched the game together, and I was just saying, do you remember, like, the 2014 game the Packers and Jets played at Lambeau, and they were down, like, 21-0 to zero at the half, and Rodgers led a comeback? And obviously, 2014 is eight years removed from the season, different head coach, different players. Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb saved the day then, so it's it's different. But, yeah, I mean, 21 points down at half, you were like, whatever. We saw him do it against the Bears a couple of years ago. Like, it's... Yeah. Look, I was at the game four years ago at MetLife where the Packers mm-hmm. won an overtime to Devontae Adams' walk-off. That game did not matter. That game simply did not matter. The Packers were not going to the, to the playoffs. Joe Philbin was in as interim head coach. And everyone said, why is Rodgers playing? This is ridiculous. He, sh- he could get hurt. And he went out there and he fought for his team. He fought for that win. Even when fans were like, just tank for the draft pick. And they that team had heart. That team mm-hmm. played a bad Jets team. They were an average team at best that season. And they went out there and they said, hell no, we're going to win this game because we are the Green Bay effing Packers. And even though we're away and even though this doesn't matter, we're going to play our asses off and get this win in overtime. And they did. And like that is what I keep thinking about is that it's the energy. It's the opposite. The season. And this season matters. This game matters. They Their window supposedly going into the season was still open to do something with, right? They extended Rodgers. They paid him for a reason. And it just didn't, it didn't feel the same. It didn't feel the same at all. Yeah. And I mean, we knew we were going to deal with this every year until he does end up retiring anyway. But the fact that, you know, the, the national media is all about Rodgers, like being pretty convinced that he's going to retire at the end of the season. Like, is this what you want? Like to to fizzle out to the point where you get to the playoffs in the NFC Championship game, you run it back a couple years, and then you're like, "All right, well, I'm glad I came back for one year, and we went eight and nine, or nine and eight, or you know, just barely wild card exit. Don't even have a home playoff game, and things fizzle." And I know that there's a lot of like nobody has the Cinderella story anymore. Very few quarterbacks get the the Manning treatment or the Elway treatment, but it's just frustrating. I understand that he's always been kind of a quiet leader like he's not a rah-rah guy Rodgers has never been a rah-rah guy he's not the Brett Favre throw you over his shoulder and run with you kind of kind of leader but there's so many leaders on the team like Mercedes Lewis and 
it felt like last season everyone was like we got to get these guys a ring we got to get these guys a ring and that was like the talk of the locker room was guys like big dog guys like david bakhtiari guys like randall cobb like we play for them got to get them a ring this season it just feels like yeah we know who we are and we're still waiting to put that on tape for other people to see yeah well well, you're going into week seven so (laughs) what are you playing for i guess that's what i would ask like it's kind of a bit of a rhetorical question because obviously the answer is everyone's playing for a Super Bowl. But like, truly, what is this team playing for right now? Because it's not looking like you are actually playing for anything. And I, I do want to give some credit to the defense because because, yeah. you know, there's so much to talk about on offense. But I mean, we've we've mentioned it and that the defense played great in the first half. Barry actually, like you said, came out and made adjustments you saw Ja follow their number one. You saw Ja play in the slot. You saw Rashawn Gary wrecking up front. Jets don't have a very good offensive line. You know, you you saw the things that everyone's been asking Joe Barry to do until a little bit at the end. But at the same time, what do you expect from them? And I actually don't want to make the argument that they were gassed because to be quite honest with you, they weren't, they only played mm-hmm. like 60 snaps. I think something like that. So that wasn't the problem. I think the problem is just how are you supposed to keep playing when your offense can't get anything right. done? Um, and I said it like Lambo was getting loud when they were on defense. I mean, people were standing, people were cheering. I don't know if you could hear it on the broadcast, but it really did feel like the fans were trying um, and we're doing everything that this team has asked for. There was no wave. There was no wave, <laughs> a single wave, right? Like, and in the fourth quarter, it's just like, we can't even cheer when the defense is on the field anymore because what's going to happen? Yeah. And I mean, it's it's tough because for talking about third down efficiency, the, the Packers gave up one third down. The Jets yeah. were able to convert one of 11. And they're still, the Green Bay defense is still number one in the league in third down defense. But that just means that they're converting on first and second, which is not good. Fair. I but I mean, if you look at the way that they performed in the first half, no. Yeah. So I mean like I get I get the argument 100%, but it just it's how do you write the ship? You know, like I think that's the problem is and then up until now it was like, hey, at least we got Pat O'Donnell and he's going to pin them inside their own 10. And then the dam breaks. For, that's just that's what this game felt like. It felt like the dam just continuously breaking, and then the defense would like put a couple sticks in there, and then the dam would break again. And then you know the offense had the Lazard touchdown, and it's like, all right, a couple sticks are back, and then another dam. Like they keep saying we haven't played a complete game, and I don't know when they will, and I don't know how they will, and I don't know what the answer is. Like, is the answer to go beat up a really bad Commanders team? Because if they don't win by two scores, then the questions are more like wow, are the Packers that bad that they're, you know, going head to head with, you know, like. But those are valid questions, I think, at this point, to be quite honest with you, because the only team that they beat up are the Bears and the Bears might be the worst team in the league. So, yeah, I just think uh, you've heard this a lot around the league. And I do want to point out that Packers look bad. There are a lot of other supposed NFC contenders going into the season that also look bad, right? The, The Bucks lost they're having their own issues. The Rams are having their own issues. So this isn't like a solely Packers thing. I know this is a Packers show, but I do feel like Mm -hmm. perspective is important. We care only about the Packers being good, but perspective, like things are shifting in the league right now, but there was a lot of talk. My point being of like having to look in the mirror, Mm -hmm. right? You heard it from Todd Bowles. You heard it from Tom Brady. You've heard it like all over the league. And I just think the Packers need to do some soul searching. Like Rogers talked about like the words that they use in manifestation. He got a lot of like people were making fun of him on Twitter for it, but I actually like very much agree with him. I think your attitude and the way you talk about yourself and what energy you put out there, and what energy has been put out in the locker room really, really, really matters. Like maybe this team needs to do like a bonding retreat. Like maybe Matt LaFleur has to like take these guys And go remind them that they're a brotherhood and that they play for each other and that like, right, like they need something. They need some juice because they have to go into Washington and they have to demolish this team. 
Like there just has to be some kind of momentum swing. Maybe demolish is the wrong word, but but beat them. Show them, show the league, show themselves, show themselves that they're a better team than this horrible Washington team. Yeah, I'm glad you did mention that though, because I I wanted to do the same thing and just say like both Super Bowl teams from last season are three and three. The Cardinals are two and four. Like, you know, I mean the, the Vikings Ravens are- lost to the Giants. Yeah, the the Giants are a positive surprise. The Jets are a positive surprise. Bucks not playing as well. San Francisco 49ers we, you know, had as contender. They're 3 and 3. Vikings are a, a surprise to be 5 and 1 right now, which yes, I agree with the face. It's not pleasant, Gross. but Yeah, but I mean, they're it's anybody's season. You know, we've still got 11 games to play. The Packers and, you know, I say this, you know, kind of facetiously, could still go 14 and three, like, you know, they're your three and three right now. We saw them run the table a couple of years ago when they said like, Hey, we believe in ourselves. We really think we can run the table and get into the playoffs. And then they did. So it's like, you know, I know Rogers doesn't say like relax and he doesn't have like these quotes anymore, but remember when Matt LaFleur would come out and say like all gas, no break. And like, there were like these mantras that the team could get behind. There's no mantra this year. There's nothing like the only, <laughs> the only mantra we have is, it's not good enough. And that's that can't be your that can't be a rallying cry. You yeah. can't say it's not good enough and then go win a football game. This is the first time, I think, in a long time that I don't know what exactly I would suggest for this Packers team. Because at the end of the McCarthy era, it you can debate the way they did it, right? But it was time. It, w- it was time for a change. It was clear it wasn't working. And they brought LaFleur in. And ever since then, it feels like every season has been building, like building towards something, right? Like 2019 was like, okay, we're back. We're back in it. Rodgers is still Rodgers. And 2020 and 2021 were, we can do this. Should have. Yeah. Should have been the year. Should should have, for sure. Is a tough league to win in. Mm-hmm. But it felt like they were building towards something. And then this season comes and it's like, wait, <laughs> No, no, no. Don't slide. We're not sliding back down the mountain. Like we have to keep climbing. Yeah. And I think that's what's what's tough too is I'm not concerned about Matt LaFleur. I I'm not calling for his head. I think he Me is either. gonna be in Green Bay long after Aaron Rodgers retires. Like I think whether it's Jordan Love, whoever the quarterback is, like it'll be fun to see a quarterback not named Aaron Rodgers in Matt LaFleur's scheme. Like those kinds of things excite me about the future. And I'm not trying to look past the season, but I just mean like when we talk about what this scheme can be and how you operate and run the scheme, seeing a quarterback that is like true to the LaFleur scheme is going to be really fun. But yeah. that's a conversation for the offseason. Um, it's just, it, it just goes back to the adversity. We talked about it at the top of the show. We've talked about it for the entire season and you know, Aaron Rodgers had said, like, with this idea of simplifying, it's the same thing that happened to them every season so far, is they get too big and they need to simplify. And I don't know if he's taking shots at the scheme specifically or, you know, they they were critiquing all the motion use yeah. today online, like whatever it is. I don't know if he's I, I think him and Matt have too good of a relationship for him to be openly critiquing him is my take. I, I agree, like to an extent, just. If, if their idea is to simplify, if, if that's what you want and you say it's the same critique for every season, then why isn't it getting done? Like, I understand that Rodgers can't overrule the head coach, but is it like a communication thing? Something needs to happen where you you just said that it's been an issue for the last three seasons. How is it still an issue going into the fourth season then if your critique is still every time you lose to say we need to simplify, we're trying to do too much? Then stop. Stop trying to do too much every time you get down a score like that's I don't know it's it's like you said it's the definition of insanity yeah do you think because obviously now the whole conversation around Packers didn't get enough weapons has resurfaced I personally don't think that bringing in one new weapon is gonna magically help this offense do I think they need a field stretcher like do I think that they're missing MVS Yes, I do, because the field has shrunk and nobody respects the deep ball, and that totally affects everything else that you can call, right? But I think they have the talent that they need on this roster. You know, we saw it, we're recording Monday evening, 
we saw today, right? Robbie Anderson going to the Cardinals. Robbie Anderson, deep threat. Packers fans, upset. Personally, I think his attitude in this locker room is the last thing. Would not be good. Yeah, I agree. The actual last thing this team needs. But the point is, is a weapon what they need? My answer is no, but I want your thoughts. So to me, the MVS role can be replicated with Watson or Dobbs. And I think they have the speed to do that. And I think part of it is they're just not on the same page yet with Rodgers for those deep threats. Like if, if Watson connects, I hate to keep going back to the Vikings game, but if Watson connects on that first play of the game to open the season, we're talking about him as that kind of deep threat at, in the same vein as MVS. So to me, no on the deep threat level, but I did when Randall Cobb got hurt. <laughs> I looked at my dad and I said, fuck it, go get OBJ. Because I like, and I think that was just like, it sounds like Sammy Watkins is going to be able to come back soon, but Rodgers is theoretically going to lose Cobb for at least four weeks. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like he avoided significant injury with the ankle, which is good. But if we're, if we're talking about trust ball again, he's throwing to Lazard and he's pushing the ball to his guys. Maybe Sammy Watkins becomes one of his guys, but it seems like. And I know that's hard to to make the argument for when Romeo Dobbs led the team until this week in targets. And he still targeted him. He was just getting blanketed by Sauce. Right. So I, I get that. But I think if you're talking about like making the defense fear you, the opposing defenses right now don't fear Dobbs. They don't fear a lot of these guys. Maybe they could fear Cobb in the middle in some packages and now Cobb is gone. So if OBJ is going to come in and give Alan Lazard single coverage, like if somebody's going to take the Devante quote unquote role and just make the defense play this offense a little bit differently, then I'd be all for it. But it would have to be like an OBJ. Yeah. The practice squad receiver that they brought in for a workout today is, is not going to do it for me. I laughed. Like that is the most Packers thing to bring in some undrafted guy it's just a joke now. It's, it is, it's funny. You have to laugh at some of these decisions, right? It's still definition of insanity. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they haven't built a good roster because I really still believe in the guys on this team. But you're right. I mean, until the talent and the potential, right? Rogers talked about this preseason. Mm-hmm. Lots of potential, not a lot of actuality. Until the potential becomes real, Defenses are going to keep playing you the same way. And so you either need to adjust to what defenses are doing and change the way they play you with the guys that you have, or like you said, bring in somebody that is going to make defenses change the way that they play you. I think the former is more the more realistic of what the Packers are going to do. Why would an OBJ want to come play for the Packers right now? Yeah. Truth, truthfully, like, why would anyone want to come up to Green Bay in the middle of October and play for a <laughs> 32 degrees three? today? It, it was cold. Um, but regardless, you know, play for a three and three team that has no fight in them. And for a quarterback that people are questioning how long he's going to be around, how well he's going to play for how long he's around. Like, there are a lot of reasons why this isn't an exciting destination at the moment. So, and they've had trouble gaining those big name free agents, even when this team is really good, right? Even when they're definite Super Bowl contenders. So I don't know if that's something they can lean on, unfortunately. Um, They've done it in the past, right? They've had the Reggie White who came basically to play with Favre. They've had Charles Woodson. Like they've had those moments I don't know if that's going to happen for this team. And I don't want this team to rely on that happening. Right. Cause Rogers talked about personnel in his post game presser and how he talks to good about it, but you can't rely on that. You have to look inward. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's tough and not to, to, you know, kind of rag on Rogers, but ever since he came back a couple seasons ago and said like, you know, I'm going to be here. We'll make it work. And said, people are coming to green Bay to play with me nobody's come. I mean, Devondre Campbell was going to probably sign regardless of who the quarterback was because the Packers gave him the best option. Rasul Douglas as well gave him, you know, that kind of contract that he was looking for. And I don't want to rag on the the rookie wide receivers because I, I really think that they're both going to be very good. Christian Watson, I kind of hope they shut down at this point for a little bit. Just if the ankle injury is going to linger, the hamstring, just 
put him on IR, let him rest it, stop trying to push him into action. But maybe Romeo Dobbs is really good towards the end of the season and he's connecting with Rodgers. But I think a lot of the moves the Packers are making, we talk about how they're really good at balancing being good now and being good later. But a lot of what they've done recently feels like they're they're keeping themselves in a five-year window. Devondre Campbell, five years. Quay Walker, five years. Rasul Douglas signs, was it a four-year deal? Like Jair had the extension, you know, for multiple years. Like this defense is going to be good for a long time. You've got cheap pieces on offense that Romeo Dobbs could be the face of the wide receiver room next season. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with Lazar. We don't know what's going to happen with Cobb. But right. So it's like, gone. I'm sorry. After this season, like Lazard is gone. Tunyon. Like, so your defense is going to be there. But and the offense has potential to be really good. But there's a part of me that's like, if if this is Rogers last season, you think the writing is on the wall, swing for it because you haven't take a take a shot. See if that itself brings in a little bit of juice. Rogers is comfortable. He feels like, you know, the front office went to bat for him and got him like a guy and see. I mean, like, OK, so it doesn't work out and you it didn't work yeah. out the last three years anyway. Like, yeah, you blow it up then. Yeah, I mean. It's funny, Andy Herman, again, friend of the show, came to meet us for dinner Saturday night, and we were talking about the Packers draft, and it really did feel like the Packers drafted players for now, this draft, right? Quay, immediate starter, Devontae Wyatt, a need on defensive line, unfortunately has taken a little bit to ramp up. That's okay. He's low on the depth chart at the moment. Christian Watson, they finally get that big name wide receiver. They trade up for him. He's been battling a hamstring injury. No one can can predict that. And then you take a look around the league at those same positions and you look at guys who are available at that same time. And it's I hate doing this, but it's really hard not to look at my draft crush, Devin Lloyd, who's killing it for the Jaguars. Right. Other wide receivers who are around. And I agree with you. I think Christian Watson's got it all. He's got all the tools, all the traits, but there are receivers who are producing immediately. And I don't know, maybe the assessment of what this window looks like was not particularly accurate. Maybe this is just the way the Packers do things and they don't care because they're going to always plan for now and future-ish. But they needed they needed these rookies to step up early, clearly. They, they needed production out of them. And Quay looked great the first three games. He struggled a little bit the last, the last three games. Okay, he's a rookie. Like I said, Devontae Wyatt, low on the depth chart. Don't even know what we have in him really yet. And Christian's been hurt. And it's just like, what, what else? There was no depth there. You lost Chris Barnes, unfortunately, to an injury. We knew wide receiver depth was an issue going into the season. It just, oh, it just feels like there's so many cracks in the seams at the moment if we're talking about draft crutches that have looked great i would like to also put jaquan brisker in there as oh well. yeah oh yeah <laughs> i was thinking that when i was watching the bears but i mean it, it's it makes a lot of sense though it's we have the same conversation sean ryan has been a healthy and active like for the entire season and he's a third round pick like i i don't understand i guess some of some of the decision making process that goes in like because then, you know, you get to the fourth round and you're like, you know, who's maybe arguably the two best rookies for the Packers right now is Romeo Dobbs and Zach Tom. Like they, they could be gems and the Packers are great at finding gems. But I think we've talked long enough about a lot of the struggles for this team. But it is interesting to think like the way that they build the roster and the mentality that they've had. They take swings and they've taken, you know cost saving swings and sometimes they work out Devondre yeah. Campbell worked out Rasul Douglas worked out but then you look at we talked about it when the Rams won the Super Bowl go get OBJ go get Von Miller win a ring now Von Miller is with the Bills likely to Michael land another, another Super ring. Bowl <laughs> yeah and like what's stopping the Packers from just trying that and just saying you know what we saw it yeah. work we don't know if they're they're not you know right, that's that's we, fair they they yeah. did say they want to be in every conversation so we don't know that they're not. All right. I do want to try to end on some positives. Okay. So maybe we can we do can some try. like quick, quick hit positives because I'm an optimist. I always will. I love this team and I will always believe in them until they prove me otherwise. 
and there are 11 games left in the season. So my positives are there's still options. Yeah. Right. There are still things that this team can do. Will they do? I don't know. Will they shift around the O-line? I hope so. Cause they've got depth there. Right. Will they lean on some of the offensive weapons that have been producing like Robert Tunyon, like Aaron Jones, Alan Lazard to some extent, try to get Romeo Dobbs more touches. I hope so. Right. Like there are, there are things to look at. Can we continue this streak that Joe Barry has shown that he can make adjustments? That was positive to me. So I'm going to try to dwell on those things. I agree with you. I think that's the biggest takeaway for me is that we saw the adjustments start for the defense. I think the turn, I believe Jerry Gray, when he says the turnovers are come, like, I think this was a good, like, get your feet wet, kind of start those adjustments and start seeing what happens on the defensive side of the ball put Jair in situations like put your playmakers in a situation to make plays, give them opportunities to be successful. And then I do genuinely believe that things like the turnovers will come. So that's a positive. And I agree with you. There's 11 games left as much as we look ahead and we're like, yeah, they should beat the commanders. And then, Oh my God, they have to play the bills. Like if they go into this game at orchard park and they look even remotely competitive, even if they lose, I'll take it as a win. Yeah. Because I just want to see, a Packers team the next couple weeks like look aggressive and feel like they're there's some fight in them and that'll give me enough to ride if they go you know if they're four and four at the end of you know this midway point of the season after after the Bills game I'll still feel okay because I'll feel like there's plenty for them to build off of to to round out the second half of the season if the offense comes out and looks the way that they did for two weeks straight then maybe I'll be a little more concerned. But I think that the the building blocks are there. They just have to build, which I don't know why they're yes. struggling. Like, Leave it to us to find some positives in this we all. Tried. We tried. We tried really hard. Um, I guess we'll be back later this week for a Washington Commanders preview show. We will put this loss behind us, as I hope the Packers do as well, and look forward to going 1-0 against the Washington Commanders. Um, you can follow the show at PWSS Podcast on Twitter, Packs What She Said on Instagram, Twitch, uh, all the places where you can download your podcast is where you can listen to us, as well as the Odyssey app and Cheesehead TV. We're still on the Cheesehead TV website. Uh, you can follow Maggie on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. You can follow me at Perry underscore Goldstein. We will continue to bring you Packers content, win or lose, and we will continue to further the positivity for this team because they need it. And uh, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.